0: So, you know, this raccoon was redolent with Dracar Noir. And, and the raccoon ended up with the name Dracarl.
1: Welcome back to Team Cockroach, a podcast about The Good Place, a weekly comedy on NBC by Mike Sherman. I am Andrew Pontius. Now let me introduce the rest of our co hosts and guests. First of all, Sarah Gardner, welcome. Hi. Uh, do you pledge to uphold the hostess code of ethics?
2: Uh, nope.
1: Nope. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Next up, Rachel Adaman. Hi there. Hi, everyone. Hey, uh, so what do you eat? Babies? Maybe a Cool Ranch baby? That sounds good. That sounds good. Huh? Cool. Uh, Javier Matusevich. Hello.
3: Son of a bench.
1: <laughs> bench, right. Well, for a mortal being, Javier, you're pretty fragile. And our special guest this week, David J. Lohr. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. Good to be here. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Which Jason are we talking about? (laughs) Okay. So this is the second of our Rewind episodes. Uh, Last time around, we went over episodes one and two of season two, which is actually three chapters. This week, we'll be going over episodes three and four of season two, which will conclude our season two podcast, because we will have fully reviewed all of the episodes of season two from one to 12, actually 13 chapters. And once we're done with this, now we do have plans to do further rewind episodes for season one. So stay tuned. Now we're going to start with a short recap, hopefully a short recap, of episodes three and four. So in episode three, Michael spent some time hanging out with the team, trying to convince them to join forces with him, including promising to get them into the real good place. Now Michael shows to Honey how she died to prove to her that she belongs in the bad place. Eleanor remains skeptical even planning to escape back to the medium place when the rest of the group agrees to stay. But Chidi's ethical nature convinces her to stay on one condition, that Michael learns how to be good with the rest of the team. So episode four is the start of what I would consider to be the, the second arc of the season. And Vicky and her allies are settling in to run the good place with Michael as their underling. So he's upset that their tortures are so uninspired. But Demon Quinston's idea to have a birthday party competition that Tahani Goozes manages to suck Tahani in and torture her thoroughly, even when she's warned about it ahead of time. Now, Jason tries to cheer her up by rating her an 8 out of 13, which is the highest rating on his scale. And by the end of the episode, they wind up in bed together. Meanwhile, Chidi tries to prime Michael for philosophy by truly introducing him to the concept of death, which puts him in a nigh-catatonic state. Eleanor tries to help him by telling him to repress his feelings, which leads to a rather flashy midlife crisis on Michael's part. But Eleanor finally talks him out of his funk by explaining the sadness that every human being feels knowing death. So those are our two episodes. So I was thinking this time around, we could actually kind of go over the episodes separately because I think they do... Episode three feels like sort of the end of that first arc when they're all trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do uh, now that everybody knows what's going on. And then episode four seems more like the start of a new arc with the, the Vicky arc to it so uh why don't we start with episode three uh what do people think of the episode
3: i thought it was so funny that even after all of michael's explanation of of them being in the bad place tahani is still convinced that she's a good person being tested in heaven while everyone else is actually in the bad place
1: right right she's she's still getting used to the idea that she's not a good person and we see this actually in episode three and episode four that she's still coming to grips with it, getting it into her into her head in a variety of different ways. So yeah, it that, that was, that was really kind of interesting.
4: Yeah, I liked this episode. I didn't think it was quite as good as the first two, but I definitely enjoyed it. And it was uh, good to see Eleanor still kind of how she wrestled with whether or not to help everyone and how realizing that Cheaty had helped her was what convinced her to stick around and help everyone
2: else this brought in the concept of michael actually being retired and i'm hoping that i'm not getting the two episodes mixed in my mind but what i think that the team determines that they are a team together because of the stakes for michael we learned that he can also be put aside am i getting that wrong is that in the next episode
3: you're sort of getting it right and sort of getting it wrong.
2: Hey, that's normal <laughs> for me. <laughs>
3: they do men- mention in passing that Michael's uh, mistake could have, like, co- consequences, but they don't really mention him getting retired, like in a sense of permanent destruction until episode four.
2: Yeah, if that's when he makes that horrible noise, I remember that. But we also get more from Tahani and kind of you start to feel for her... I. I know that they pay that off a little better later in the season. Um, You know, you go from thinking of her as just being this, you know, annoying name dropper to really feeling for her, and you know, her little her little waitress outfit. I, you know, it's always (laughs) it's always good to have those moments when I mean, you even feel bad for Jason who doesn't realize that Michael is insulting him to his face. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I, when I uh, went back to brush up my memory, and uh, so I looked on Wikipedia just to go, which episodes are these? Okay, yes, that's right. And I'm I'm amused at how many episode synopses just say at one point Jason is
1: oblivious. Yeah, they all have. it. <laughs> well, this was the one where he's where Eleanor says, uh, Janet, can you find something shiny for Jason to play with? Right, right, yeah. <laughs>
2: Can I play uh, iPad?
4: Was this also the one where Eleanor was talking about how they were like a dirt bag from Arizona, yep. so something stuck up, and literally the dumbest person ever, and then Jason goes, ooh, <laughs> do me, do me. Yeah.
0: Right. right. Yeah, I, I think one one of the things that drew me to the show in the first place, or, well, no, I should say Mike Sure drew me to the show. What kept me with the show is that it's consistently a show that surprises me. And that takes a lot. I mean, I I tend to try and think ahead. I mean, not intentionally, but just the writer brain kicks in. It's like, oh, where are we going with this? Where are we going? And and this is a show, I I just turn that off. I don't always, I, don't, I can't always turn it off. But this one I do, because I want to be surprised. And it hasn't failed yet. Which isn't episode specific, I'm sorry. But, you know. <laughs>
1: Well, I do think uh, in these two episodes, and of course, immediately after I say we're going to discuss them separately, I discuss them together, but the the thing was, uh, for these two episodes, I had thought that Tahani was maybe one of the least interesting parts of the episode, because her parts in this were so broad, Uh, the various Mm. things that she goes through, the the flashbacks in this episode, the uh, scenes in the next episode where she's falling for the, the the idea of the parties competition, even though she knows she, she shouldn't. And just, you know, how can someone be that thick? But knowing now more of how the rest of the season goes, it really feels like this is a good start for her journey. She doesn't actually journey that far necessarily. You know, we know she's not perfect by the end of the season, but just the fact that she's struggling to get there, these episodes do show part of that in in the midst of all the other plot you know the the shenanigans of her getting killed by the statue and the shenanigans of the party you know these are all supposed to be you know funny little standalone set pieces but they're also part of her progression even as slow as it is and i do feel like i can appreciate that more now having seen the rest of the season Right.
2: yeah I think that's right, especially when she has to face her parents and you see the origin of that here a little bit where she's standing up for herself in a small way, it feels all that much more satisfying when she really does it
0: right in retrospect, you know you get you have the ridiculousness of her death you but but you also have the birthday party is a real nice illustration of her isolation and loneliness, which isn't obvious right off the bat. As it goes forward, you can look back and go, "Oh, that's what that meant. That's where they're going with that." Because yeah, in
3: in retrospect, it's it's not the greatest life,
0: and she sort of she she holds on to that illusion that it was right.
3: Yeah, she's always trying to live to a standard that she set for herself, so she's never content.
0: Right. Which I mean, that's kind of kind of the, one of the points of the whole series too, right? It's all illusion. It's all artifice. It can be changed all the time, and you know what is real? What is reality? What is your who? Who really are you? That's that's, <laughs> that's the other thing. It's a really heady show. Oh my god! And it's, it's mm. you know, but it's
3: just a sitcom. Oh, and regarding to to that, the whole thing about them knowing each other, even though they have been rebooted. I mean, constantly Chidi is reminding. Chidi or Mindy Sinclair are reminding Eleanor that she has met these people before. And has she? It's kind of a questionable thing, but I guess that's the the nature of the show. You have to question that that sort of characteristic. Are they the same people if you are resetting them constantly and changing their environment?
4: I wonder if there's a part of their bodies that remembers besides Between the reboots. You know what I mean? Like, they've been around these people for I don't know how long. 802 reboots is (laughs) probably a lot of years that they've been around each other. Obviously, they haven't aged, but I don't know
2: what all gets reset each time.
3: Are you saying they're having reveries?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We learned that Janet. When she gets rebooted, becomes more and more advanced, maybe the most advanced Janet. Right. But not a robot.
1: Right. I was trying to look at how Janet was acting in these these two episodes. And I don't know, maybe I just haven't been paying attention to it before, but she is very responsive to people. Like she's not just a robot standing there, you know, stiff and everything. She's responding to people. She's always got this big grin on her face, but she is still always kind of nodding to people or, or acknowledging what people are saying, even when it's nonsensical it it did seem like she was just very like she's still there and she's still in the background but i still i don't know i just kind of noticed more of her behavior of her kind of fitting in very well with with the rest of the conversation and with the group when she's when she's present
3: yeah on the previous episode we talked about how janet had increased her intelligence every each time that she's rebooted and in this episode, they actually specify that she gets better socially. She gets increased social skills and abilities. So that will make sense. It's not that she's getting smarter per se. She's getting socially smarter.
4: She's getting more human. Right.
3: Mm. right.
1: Or she can rub her belly and and rub her head at
0: the same time. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, it's it's that's the other thing that fascinates me. The, you know, the right at the beginning of the series you you kind of wonder why these characters why this combination and they're all on their way to becoming better humans and and or just becoming human uh they all have different paths but it's been so far it's been fun watching the paths
1: well that actually brings up a good point i mean we know that michael is going to develop more over the course of the season and these two episodes plant the seeds for that and especially episode 4 but in episode 3 i thought it was really interesting that he's still the bad guy, at least this was my impression. I'd be interested what other people have to say. He still feels like the bad guy in episode three. Like he's still the schemer. He's still pretty down with humanity. You know, he talks, talks about them as being cockroaches or, or dung beetles. And, you know, he's, he's so annoyed that he has to pay attention to them and, and rely on them. And there just isn't really much sense yet for me of this idea that, well, he always wanted to be human or there was some part of him that wanted to be human. He's still pretty much the bad guy here.
2: No, I think you're right. I mean, when they band together, it initially feels like the four of them are banding together and kind of deciding to let Michael in. They're still skeptical at this point, And as an audience, at least at this point, we were too.
0: Right. Well, he's, he's still encouraging them to team up with him to save his own skin. That's it. Right. Yeah. That's the whole motivation there. And... It's almost as though he starts to be seduced by them in spite of himself. This Mm -hmm. is suddenly interesting to him.
1: Um, So there are two sides to this. Um, So one is he calls them cockroaches. And of course, that's where Team Cockroach comes from, which is the title of our podcast. So we have to acknowledge that. The other one is I did notice in this episode, this episode feels like the episode where Ted Danson gets to kind of just be himself for an episode. Because he's just Mm. kind of sitting there listening to people like he's not there are some points where he's playing sort of the bad guy when he's got a lot of dialogue, but when he's talking with Tahani um, and even like last episode when he was talking with Jason and he's just kind of listening to them and just kind of talking with them, he there's no pretense anymore. Like, you know, they know he's a demon. They know he has uh certain information about them and he's just kind of giving it to them. It feels like he's giving it to them both to convince them, but also just because, Hey, he knows this and he can finally talk freely with them. It really did feel like, this was almost the closest we get apart from the scene at the very end of the season with um with Eleanor and Michael in the bar where you know he's just he's just chewing the fat with them and this is he can just kind of be a natural person with them and again this kind of felt like this was Ted Danson's personality coming out a little more in this like he, they could have played it as more like oh he was he's upset or he's he's anxious because the time is running out or he's scheming the whole time, but there were just a couple of moments where it really just felt, especially when he talked with Tahani and she's like, Oh, can I talk with your manager? And he's like, you know, Oh lady, <laughs> you, you really deserve to be here. It just felt like that was really low key. And you know, I'm just going to tell you this. It just felt really, and it felt really good. It was one of the, the parts of the episode I enjoyed the most. And it also felt maybe a little, just a little weird that like, yeah, they're just, they're just regular people chatting. So what else, anything else about this episode? Before we move on to the to episode four?
2: Just that they set Vicky up in this one to be the pseudo big bad and she gets a sash and she gets to sing in front of everyone. And you start or at least I started to think that like Vicky's gonna play more of an important role. We've got her hanging over our head now and just knowing that she's dispensed with pretty quickly is kind of funny,
1: yeah we uh and, and in fact, we see her at the beginning of, of episode four, so I guess we can we can start to go into that now, so episode four again, this is the point where we're getting into that the new reboot, which will take. A good good number of episodes for the rest of the season, where they are pretending to be under Vicky, they're pretending to to be tortured by her in the same way that they were tortured by Michael the first time around, and I think they get off to a good start with this. You know, they start with with Vicky uh, sitting at Michael's desk and warding over him, and and telling him that she wants memos with one page and with pictures, which, given our, <laughs> our current political climate, feels pretty uh, pretty on mm. point. Yeah, and then you know, and then we start to see how this is going to work out with you know the first installment of how that's going to work with the the party and everything so what do people think
4: i think when we went went over the season two recap i said that this was one of my least favorite episodes of the Mm -hmm. season and i would still agree with that but one thing i noticed this time around is how good ted danson really is Oh, for sure because him going through (laughs) All the stages of Michael's crisis was just
0: perfection. I mean, even, even after 11 seasons of Cheers, he's still an underrated comic actor, right? <laughs> you know, because he, he, gets, he gets to do like two or three notes in Cheers. Becker, mm. it was just a show that existed. <laughs> um, I even watched Ink. I even watched oh, Ink and yeah. he was fine in that, you know. <laughs> and this, he gets to cut loose and do everything. And and this is the Ted Danson. I I knew right. This is like yeah. I I knew he could do all this. This is great. And so it's been wonderful <laughs> seeing
1: the the world go. Oh my God, Ted Danson. Who knew? Well, we had talked again. We had talked. I think in the in the wrap up episode about how season two, season one was definitely you know Kristen Bell was the the, the main star of it. She was the one who got most of the airtime and most of the development. And in the second season, it was a little less clear if there was one person who was the main star of it. And if anyone, it was, it was uh, Ted Danson's character or Michael's character, where he's, he's the one who gets the most growth. Uh, Eleanor is, is going through a lot, but she's not necessarily going from the beginning of the journey to the end the way Michael is here, the way we're seeing it. So, so yeah, we definitely see a lot more of, of, of Ted Danson acting chops in a variety of ways here.
2: Yeah, I think part of the reason this episode feels uneven for me is because we get jerked around just just as Michael does. I mean, he goes from one extreme to the other, and you get worn out by the end. (laughs) The scene where he um, experiences existential dread and makes that noise and the face— and then you see Chidi's reaction, which is to smile and want to run out and get his philosophy books. It was so cute. And then to think that that's the same episode where we get Ted Danson with his hair all messed up in a lousy suit jacket, taking Janet out for a spin. This episode has a lot in it. So I don't know. I, it, is, it is really a testament to Ted Danson and how funny he is to
0: watch. Although I will say, I much prefer brunette Janet.
4: (laughs) Jeanette was a little too much for my taste.
0: (laughs) Well,
1: just how how they wrote her is such that she's placating Michael. She's acting according to what Michael wants, but she's still Janet. And uh, I did think that was was pretty good. I think another way to to the, the point that you were talking about, Tara, is that what Michael goes through in this episode feels like something which is we're going to get out of the way. In this episode, it doesn't feel like it's necessarily building on anything uh, or that it's it's something that we're going to touch back on, like not the whole thing, but like just those manic points where he's the midlife crisis or the or the actually the midlife crisis was kind of the big one that I felt was like, okay, we're going to kind of just get through this. Like this is some jokes and there are some points in the later episodes which I think feel the same way that, okay, this is the big joke magnet of, of the episode. But it's we're kind of just waiting to see when it's over with, to see when the plot resumes or when the character development resumes. I think that might be part of why, again, I think a, a bunch of us felt that this was not quite as up to par as some of the other episodes. It, it felt like we were just kind of waiting it, for it to be over.
2: A lot of it you know, should be, at least somewhat anyway, about Tahani because they're trying to punish her. But that note was kind of small, in effect. I mean, the party scenes were supposed to make her feel bad. We're supposed to feel sympathetic to her. But we're spending so much time with Michael that, you know, it really doesn't hit home. Although the party that Vicky and the demons throw is is kind of fun and inventive.
3: Yeah, the thing I think is the meatiest part of the episode is the flashbacks, Eleanor's flashbacks. Although yeah. I mm-hmm. don't think they're fun. Because they break the the timing of the episode, they get you out of out of the plot constantly. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of growth, they're the most interesting because they set up Michael and Eleanor's similarities. They show Eleanor as a person who from the beginning is taught to not be sad, to ignore sadness, which in the case of Michael he didn't have to he didn't have to think about sadness before but they they end up sharing the same kind of, of feelings which is what really makes her useful as a as a teacher to Michael whereas she these words don't really get to him.
1: Right. The thing that the thing that kind of ends the episode, the thing that, that puts a cap on the on the story of that episode is Eleanor sort of giving Michael the kind of the pep talk. It's not very really much of a pep talk, it's more of a downer talk, but this idea that yeah, this is how people are. And that was nicely <laughs> affecting, the, the, you know, bringing some sort of real human kind of drama and sadness to an episode which is otherwise a lot of jokes. Um, and I do like the points where they kind of touch on that as they go in these episodes. Um, but, yeah, Eleanor is definitely the the, the key to, to this. I had never thought of it that way, Javier, in terms of her experience with sadness was, was the, the way that she was able to bring him out of it.
3: Her mom teaches her. Her first experience with death is that her mom teaches her that she shouldn't be sad. And then we see Michael trying to repress his feelings. And then we have the first time they consider actually dying, and they both have their their crazy stage. Michael with his midlife crisis, and Eleanor having the Beth bath and Beyond <laughs> attack. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we even get Eleanor's conclusion here her, with her relationship with death, but I, I don't remember how that happens. Well, I, I, for me,
0: part of, I mean, I enjoy, obviously I enjoy the series and I enjoyed the episodes, but part of any kind of letdown in these episodes was simply that uh, Dance Dance Resolution was so beyond, right? It was just this continuously inventive continuous jokes i mean there were jokes that they had to list on twitter in screenshots to explain all of them right (laughs) Um, or or a list of all the food jokes or you know whatever (laughs) um and so and and i've had that experience writing uh like in the radio theater where i broke up a cliffhanger by having you know it was a typical pair of episodes two-part episode and in the middle of it i thought you know what I'm going to write a goon show, which that's the, it was Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan. That's why we yep. have Monty Python, <laughs> you know, Eddie Izzard. And to write one of those, there's a reason Spike Milligan went nuts. And I mean, he was hospitalized three times during the run of the goon show because he was getting manic and crazed. And, um, you know, it's, it's like, you just have to write at such a high joke level. And then to come back down to write the normal second half after that was like, Oh, Oh, I have to slow down my brain. Oh no, and and so to come down from that kind of intensely, you know, over I, I want overwritten. It's not overwritten, but it's just it's at such a different level from the rest of the season. To come back down from that, it's like oh, oh, it's still a sitcom. Okay,
1: well, now there's still. I talked so in the last episode, kind of a new way for me of phrasing it. Is talk about the joke machine in these episodes there's still a lot of <laughs> jokes and like the the party sure. scene they just kind of you know they're just over and over again you know talking about i don't know there's just like a lot of because of all all the all the bits of the party that are over the top like uh, real unicorns and hungry hungry hippos <laughs> with real hippos <laughs> right and so they, they it feels like they were kind of trying to get a bit of a rhythm like that going but it was still kind of hard because it wasn't that same series of repetitions that there was in the, in the second episode uh, but, you know, I think they were trying and there was definitely no lack of jokes in either of these two episodes. But, yeah, it did kind of feel like oh. Oh, no. they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't have the same pace that they had in episode two. But it's still it's sort of settling down into a pace of just kind of constant jokes, but not like every second jokes. And that's pretty much how it's going to be for the rest of the, the season, or season two. And, right. and almost certainly well, for. Yeah. When we go back to season one as well.
0: Well, and you couldn't you couldn't have episode two as every episode. Right. Partly it wouldn't it wouldn't be special, but the show wouldn't have gotten to a second season mm-hmm. if every episode were that intense and that, you know, you had to pay that much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you you need to be able to breathe a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I would also say I, I agree about um, the Tahani subplot or the B plot in episode four not getting the same attention as the A plot. And I think to a degree, some of that is that the the, the A plot players, uh, uh, Chidi and Eleanor, just ignore her completely in this whole thing. Like they're not even really aware that she's going through this, or right. they don't care. But yes. I I do think you know, again, paying more attention to it this time around, having gone through it, watched the episode a couple of times now, they do really give her the full breadth of that experience. Like she gets to <laughs> she gets to know that it's a bad idea to get too into it. And then she gets into it anyway, and we get to see her thought process of like, oh, yeah, you know what, I, I can do this, and, you know, forgetting the rest of it. And then she does it and then has all the glee of being, I'm going to be a party, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uphold the hostess code of ethics and all that. And then she gets, you know, torn down because of course that's going to happen. Of course, they're going to have a better party than she does. And then she gets to experience that. And I remember, like Eleanor says at one point, you know, okay, okay, Tahani, in order to, you know, cover our act, you've got to go and act miserable. And Tahani looks at her and says, like, oh yeah, like that, exactly that. Because, you know, she really is, she really did fall for it. And then she comes at the end and she actually says, you know, I know I fell for it. And, you know, I'm learning that, you know, I can't, I can't do this anymore and that, Runs into sort of the Jason part of it. I think we can also talk about Jason. I think it's interesting talking about Jason now. Is that you know Jason bucks her up, and this is kind of a new role for him, being a person to kind of help somebody else in this profound a way. What do people think of of Jason at the end? There.
0: Well, it's it's part of his process of becoming a better human too, right? Mm. He's he's not just an idiot. He's still an idiot, but he's not just an idiot. <laughs> if that makes sense.
3: He's a sensitive idiot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When he's does anyone remember the five things that he said he was judging people on? Yes,
3: I have them written down: <laughs> <laughs> dancing ability, coolness, dopeness, dopeness, right, freshness, and smart brain, smart which brain. makes mm-hmm. no sense.
1: Yep. And you can see Tahani, you know, recognizing his his you know ridiculousness, and then just kind of going with it because it's kind of a connection. They they're, they're forming a connection.
3: Yeah. The whole Tahani arc in this episode feels like they took that one line that the honey says that she's being tortured by event planning mishaps and it works they (laughs) took that one line what that one joke and they made a whole b plot (laughs) right it's not as good as most episodes where we talk all all the time about them burning ideas constantly and here's like they took one idea and they they made a whole plot so it's not so fleshed out.
4: I think this episode was better than what I first thought. I think yes. it's better yeah. to, as I came back to it and being away from it, it seemed, yeah, I enjoyed it more.
0: It really is a show that rewards re-watching. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? No, <laughs>
3: no, edit that out, edit that out. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs>
4: There's always something new to pick up every time I watch it. There's a joke I missed the first time around or something that is something in the background that you're like, "Oh, when did they put that there?"
3: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that there's like there's instances where there are essentially five characters that you want to spend time with, you know, six counting Janet and when they don't spend enough time with any one character, then you, it, you leave wanting more of that character. Mm. Sometimes it works, and most of the time it works, but sometimes it's out of whack, and then you feel that for the whole episode. This was one of those for me, where like I think like, well, where's where's you know anyone <laughs> other than who's on the screen? You know, <laughs> where's Poochie? And. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> you know if if i'm spending too much time with michael then i'm wondering where tahani is or if i'm spending time with tahani then i'm wondering where chidi is and it's it's you know sometimes sometimes it's a little bit uh off balance for me and this this episode I, i'll agree that it's better the second third whatever time it is that i'm watching <laughs> yeah. it 800 but you know that's because i yeah. <laughs> that's cuz i have the context of the whole season and I kind of right. figure you have to go through this part with Michael for him to come out the other side, being more sympathetic to the group. Yeah. So we need it, whether it's uh, the zany party guy or not.
0: Well, and the thing I liked, I did like about that, um, aside from just Ted getting to cut loose, is that it's, it's not that he's going through a midlife crisis so much as that he's going through the most ridiculous stereotypical midlife crisis, ah, yeah. mm-hmm. right? He's got the flashy car, he's got the hot blonde, you know. Uh it's it's kind of like Sam Malone's dream, right? And and he still finds that unsatisfying in the end.
4: Gets the crazy tattoo, what was it? A Japanese for China or Chinese for
1: Chinese Japan? Chinese for Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Right, there's definitely pieces of this where he's where the show is making is satirizing something, and I think later on they satirize things like celebrity roasts and other other bits. And they, you know, they they want to go wild with it, and I think they do. You know, the, yeah, they got a lot of jokes about that. And whether we find that to be the most interesting thing in in the context of the story or not, is another thing. But but they do, you know, when they aim for a target, they they do hit it.
3: He wanted to focus on something great like a Tracar Noir. <laughs> right.
1: Right. <laughs> Um, the last thing I want to bring up was just that very last end of the episode with the credits and with Tahani and, and Jason in bed. Um, mm. And, you know, that was fun. But I think that just those last few seconds of Tahani with her, her facial expression when she's like, oh, is this a bad thing? Is this a good thing? And then she just ends with this wonderful head tilt that's like, you know, yeah, OK, I, I can live with that. I I just felt that was such comic timing like that actress. It just, that just shows that she, she can just nail that, that stuff. Cause you know, she didn't say anything. It was only a couple of seconds, but that really almost redeemed the whole episode for me in terms of like, is this, you know, a top tier episode? Like those five seconds were a top tier episode, you know, or, or a good ending for such an episode. I just loved it.
2: And mm. it was only like two episodes ago or something that she rejected her soulmate because he was short and charitable. <laughs> Right. Now she's she's in bed with someone she knows is dumb, like yep. dumb.
4: He's talented at getting water bottles to stay on top of a pizza hut. <laughs> <laughs> Jason what is more oblivious. could you want?
1: Right. Well, and he knows how to make cereal, sure. so there's a that's important. Yeah, so why don't we do um um uh, bring out your dad moments for the the joke machine? Um, what lines have we not gone over yet that everybody thought were? Uh, We're we're
2: fun. I mean, you already said the Cool Ranch baby, but that's fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh,
1: right. I
4: I enjoyed when he was, uh, when uh, Michael was explaining who Vicky was, and he was talking about her running, uh, was it a little bit chowder now? And they're like, no, what about Pump Up the (laughs) Clam? The last little bits of the punny restaurants.
3: I like that after the Camila... Flashback, They take away that the honey has is she died in Cleveland, hmm.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what you should be taking away from this, Michael says to her. <laughs> right? um, yeah. Yep. When well, then there's the, the bit with her mom in the flashback where uh, uh, Eleanor is saying, you know, can I go visit her? And then the mom kind of goes on a tantrum. He's like, OK, you caught me. You know, your dog is dead <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And there's no such place as Guam. It's like, wait, wait hold, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wait, hold on.
2: And the mom had to do a disgusting thing with her favorite duffel bag, and she's <laughs> had enough today. I also hmm. I thought it was funny that demon, as a term for Michael, was a little racist.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. When the millennial, oh, my God, Michael's, or, or Ted Denton's delivery when he talks about, you know, torturing someone for less than 1,000 years, millennial, and it's just, oh. He'd really just nailed that one.
3: I'm going to the, be the Velociraptor of this class. Yes. they <laughs> are trying to say valedictorian. That
1: was great. That was great. Yes, yes. Well, and then when Michael, when they bring Michael into, what is it, the restaurant where Tahani was supposed to be doing her party, and Jason says, you know, yes. oh, I've seen this, right? You still have about 70% <laughs> of your brain left from, uh, what was it, he thought it was toner, sniffing toner, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I ruined that yes. day. But yeah,
2: yeah. When uh, Vicky or whoever was introducing the party and uh, said there was a kangaroo that you could sit in the pouch and haven't you wanted to do that? And Jason's like, my whole life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. When well, then the other one, oh, the other one with Jason, oh, when he was talking with Tahani and Tahani's like, you know, does Vicky know how to do, you know, such and such and such and such? Does she know all these things? And Jason's going, like, Yes, she does. And then seeing to Honey's, Oh, no, she doesn't. But you know, she really probably does actually know how to do all that. Hmm.
3: The one I lost it with was the one uh, with Eleanor in the Beth Bad and Beyond looking for a toothbrush holder. And <laughs> she's crying, and the vendor offers her a Kleenex, and she's going to take one, and she sees that the pack says family pack, and she screams, (laughs) a family pack? That's crazy.
2: I liked when um, Eleanor told Tahani to stop talking for like a 100 hours, (laughs) and then later said, like, I'm sorry, has it been a 100
1: hours? (laughs) When she smacks the, the, what is it, gobstopper or whatever, out of Jason's mouth, when he says, you know, trust people with bow ties. I thought that was a nice bit of physical company. Yeah, the yeah. Lollipop. lollipop. Yeah, it was yeah. a
2: sucker, and when he flips it in his hand, he catches it on the candy part and just puts it right back <laughs> into his mouth.
1: Yep, <laughs> Yep. I noticed that. that Which felt, is something
2: yeah. I've seen my kid do so many oh. times but to <laughs> see a, a grown adult do it.
1: Well, that's great. Yeah, that, that felt like a, a probably an improvisational moment, right? Then he was—they were just trying stuff and and that—and but yeah, it was it was a pretty nice little moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the last one was, what was the last one? Oh, which of these confusing French books will make Michael well again? Normal again. I think that was the, <laughs> that was the last one.
2: I need more T.D. and more Janet.
1: And we will get, we will get more. Um, Well, we'll get more in the rest of the season, right? The Charlie problem is one of the, one of the ones that comes up next. And, uh, and Janet gets, well, Janet, we get to see bad Janet again and we get to see good Janet be bad Janet. Spoilers for the rest of the season. But, uh, but yeah,
2: and we this is the point where we started the podcast, right? So we've caught right. up on season two episodes, yes. so if people want to go back and, and hear real-time episodes of when we first saw these, then they can.
1: And they can yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so let me uh, say thanks and goodbye to everybody, uh, Sarah Gardner, thanks for being on the podcast.: Yeah, thank you. And uh, Rich Ottoman, thank you. Thanks. Good night, everyone. I, I actually, I was actually planning on doing another round of the same jokes uh, from that list, but I just said all of them, so you don't get any more jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Javier, no more thanks. jokes. No more jokes. Right. That's it. Uh, Javier, thanks for being on.
3: <laughs> Me torture is su so torture.
1: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That saved that one. They're very good. And David J. Lohr, thank you for joining us. Thanks,
0: Glenn. This was this was a delight. (laughs) Hang on, I've reset again. Damn (laughs) it!
2: Thanks, David.
3: That's a bad reboot. Doesn't count. (laughs) We have to record again. Yeah, we got
2: the bad bad David from the bad place. (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. I'm I'm, I'm actually David. I'm Um, blonde. blonde. You you don't want to see my dress. Trust me. Just no.
1: (laughs) And on that note, we will see you next time.